Your connection to our treasured Catholic faith all day, every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome in to the David L. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And we begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Oh my Jesus, forgive us of our sins, save us from the fires of hell, and lead all souls to heaven, especially those the most need of thy mercy. It is the afternoon of Wednesday, hump day on Guadalupe Radio Network, so it must be the David L. Gray Show. So today is February 24th, 2021, the first week of Lent, and I am David O'Gray, and I am excited that you are tuning in for the next hour of the show. In the first half of today's show, you'll meet Father Quan Tran and hear about a powerful book he's just written entitled The Imitation of Mary, Keys to Growth in Virtue and Grace. That's The Imitation of Mary, Keys to Growth in Virtue and Grace, written by Father Quan Tran. He'll be on um, about 10 past the hour. The Archdiocese, um, also at the bottom of the hour, in the second half of the show, we'll be conversing with Joseph Chambra of the St. Joseph Ministry, Sons of St. Joseph Ministry. Um, the Archdiocese of Los Angeles held their Religion and Education Congress last week. That's the LA Rex, so properly called. And so Joseph Chambra of the Sons of Joseph Ministry, he'll be on to talk about that. This conference is typically a display of everything that is heterodox in the Catholic Church. So Joseph will be here to talk about what happened last week and to talk about his ministry um, uh, to people who are struggling with same-sex attraction. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, to be part of the show, just call 877 757 that's 877-757-9424. Or you can tweet at me at hashtag DLG on GRN. That's hashtag DLG on GRN. And uh, to be part of the show, that's a couple ways to do it. Or you could just, um, you know, make a put a comment on our Facebook page on Guadalupe Radio Network. Or if you're watching on YouTube, put a comment there. Um, this show on Guadalupe Radio Network is produced by Cecil Anderson. She's the producer of this show. And and you can see her on Fridays on Back to the Father. And if you call in, uh, the voice that you hear will belong to her, Cecil Anderson. So I do have a question for you. How's your Lent going? How's your Lent going? You know, when people usually ask that question, um, you know, how's your Lent going? We usually respond in context of, uh, you know, how are we doing in, in response to, you know, how, how's, how's our, what we ever gave, what we gave up for Lent? So, you know, how's that going? That's how we usually respond to it. Oh, you know, well, I gave up this for Lent and that's how it's going. Or we respond in context, uh, how's it going with our prescribed uh, fat days of fasting. But the liturgical season is asking uh, a different question altogether in regard to how's your Lent going? I would say that the readings we hear during Lent are geared towards inspiring a, a deeper self-examination, a deeper self-examination than that, that, that cursory response, right? For the first week of Lent, I would replace the word Lent 
with the word conversion, right? How's your conversion going? Because for Catholics, for Catholics, conversion is an ongoing process, a lifelong process. We, we are always in a process of becoming Christian, right? It's a, it's a process, right? So this first Sunday, we heard about the tempting of Christ Jesus in the desert and the covenant God made with Noah after flood, which prefigured the baptism that saves us. With the second reading from um, first Peter also spoke of that, that baptism that saves us, um, that, that Noah, that flood that prefigured the baptism. And all of these readings all together, they, they point to the fact that there is a distance between us and God. There is a distance between us and God because we're two completely different natures, us and God. But through baptism, through baptism, we are adopted into the body of Christ. We receive the Holy Spirit and thereby begin to share in that divine nature. God becomes man so that man might become like God is the admirable exchange. Okay, that's the admirable exchange. But we are still tempted to reject that nature and to fall back into our lower desires. But when we turn away from the temptation, such as Noah did and as Jesus did in the desert, and we set our face to Calvary, when we orient ourselves to God, when we follow the path that he has set before us, we are being converted to the truth. So in being converted to the truth, we are closing that distance between ourselves and God, who is the truth. We close that distance by turning away from temptation, which leads to sin and death. So that's the question from the readings this week at Lent. That's, that's the conversion. That, that's, that's the process. That's, that's the, what, what the readings from this, this first week of Lent are always about, the temptation of Jesus. But it is, the question that's really being asked out of those readings is, how's your conversion going? How's your conversion going? How's closing that gap going? The second week of Lent deals with the transfiguration and the questions for that week is, how's your obedience to God going? How's your obedience to God going? So, and we'll talk more about that question next week. So as I asked you to do at the beginning of the Lent, let's see if we can just go just a little bit deeper than what uh, we might uh, typically be used to uh, do during this this season so yeah so let's keep asking ourselves that question this week how's your how's your conversion going because version conversion is an ongoing process i'm excited that father kwan will be on shortly to talk about his book the imitation mary keys to growth in virtue and grace in which he teaches us how to imitate the 12 essential qualities of mary in order to unleash a torrent of graces in our life and later in our Joseph Chambra will be on to give an update on this year's LA Rec Conference, the LA Los Angeles Religious and Education Conference. A troubling article was published on Sunday at a popular magazine called The Atlantic, which was titled A Catholic Center Seeks Communion and happens to be a president. That was the name of the article in the Atlantic magazine. It's a Catholic center seeks communion and happens to be a president, which was really just another effort to jump through hoops to avoid the play matter, to avoid the simplest truth that we all know, that if you are in grave sin, you must not receive Holy Communion. That's always been the rule, right? 
the article was flattering to Joe Biden, basically arguing that because he carries a rosary, he attends mass, therefore he's a good Catholic, right? And so therefore he should receive Holy Communion. The article offered a lazy false equivalency in attempting to equate the abortion Holocaust with immigration policy. It also avoided the words of St. Paul who forbade us from receiving Holy Communion unworthily, lest we bring judgment to ourselves. If always talking about the, the nature of the Holy Eucharist itself, the host, the whole Eucharist is truly Christ and those who have um, unre uh, unrepentantly set themselves far from God are not in a position, are not healthy enough to commune with God as intimately as taking him into our bodies. The article voice speaking about Canon Law 916, which states a person who is conscious of grace sin is not to celebrate mass or to receive the body of our Lord without previous sacraments of confession unless there is a grave reason and there is no opportunity to confess. The article also avoid mentioning an instruction from the Congregation of Doctor, Doctrine of Faith uh, from 2016, which was signed by, signed by Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger and said regarding the grave sin of abortion and euthanasia, when a person's formal cooperation becomes manifest, understood in the case of a Catholic politician and his consistently campaigning and voting for permissive abortion and euthanasia laws, his pastor should not meet with him, instructing him about the church's teaching, informing him that he is not to present himself for Holy Communion until he brings an end to the objective situation of sin and warning him that he will otherwise be denied Holy, Holy Eucharist. The article avoided all that. No, it basically just argued because Joe Biden carries a rosary and shows up the mass, he is worthy to receive Holy Communion, which is one of the dumbest arguments in my life. But one of the most important things I learned in my life um, thus far is that, you know, it takes a lot of effort. You ever notice how much effort it takes to explain why doing something wrong was actually the right thing? It takes a lot of effort to try to explain why doing something wrong was actually right. All these things we try to lie about and excuse for the sake of doing evil in the name of good can be resolved by just considering the law of parsimony or the uh, Occam's razor, as it's probably called by um, a 13th century Franciscan friar named William Occam. That was his name, William Occam. So Occam and Razor states that, the simplest explanation is usually the right one. The simplest explanation is usually the right one. It's not that hard. And it's the case, can a politician who persists in championing intrinsic evils receive the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist without immediately prior making a good confession of the same? No. The answer is no. Why? Because it is harmful to their soul. I'll tell you very simple. You, don't you do not harm people you love. And those who are allowing Joe Biden to receive Holy Eucharist do not love him because they're harming him. So simplest answer is often the, the usually the right one. So this is, again, another area we wish to really pray and reflect deeply upon and pray for our president and pray for those who are, are in his life. Pray that they love him uh, with the love of Christ. So if you are just tuning in, this is the David O. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network. To be part of the show, you can call in at 877-757-9424. Again, that's 877-9424. Or you can tweet at me at hashtag DLG on GRN. Or you can just comment on the video if you're watching on our, where we're streaming on Facebook and uh, YouTube. Father Tra uh, Tran is in the studio now. Uh, to talk about his book, The Imitation of Mary, The Keys to Growth in Virtue and Grace, which I'm excited to hear about. You can purchase the book from Sophia Press. 
Institute. That's the Sophia Press Institute. Um, that's the publisher. You can buy it there, or you can buy it anywhere you, you like buying books. We would like to support Catholic publishers. Um, so Sophia Press Institute. Father Tran is a Catholic priest in the Diocese of Orange in California. Father Tran is currently the parochial vicar at St. Bonaventure Parish in Huntington Beach. He is also the secretary to the pastoral provision for Bishop Kevin Van. Welcome to the show, Father Tran. Thank you, David. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure to have you. And I'm really looking forward to hearing about your, your, your book, The Imitation of Mary. Sure. Um, yes, in this book, I talk about uh, grace and how grace works. Um, you know, a lot of times people don't know uh, how, how grace works. And uh, grace is a gift from God, which requires a, resp and a response on our part to bear fruit. Um, so it's not something you just sit back and receive. It's something you receive and then you do something with it. So like with Mary, um, you know, God gives her uh, these graces so that she may become perfect and to be fulfill her role as the mother of God and also our mother. And so she, you know, participated in God's uh, redeeming work, and she continues to do so, looking out after her children. And so I look to Mary as the perfect uh, model. Um, she is the most perfect of all disciples. And I talk about 12 qualities of Mary that, uh, that we can imitate to, to grow in grace. And that's another thing about grace is that we, the more we respond, the more perfectly we, we respond, the more graces we receive to advance mm. and, to, and to grow closer to our Lord. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So grace is an active principle. It's something that you say we respond to. It's not that something we receive and we contain, we can hold within ourselves and keep it as a possession. It's something that we, 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 we respond to and give back out. Yes, grace requires cooperation. You know, St. Augustine uh, said something like this, you know, God created us without us, but he will not save us without us. Yeah. So meaning, you know, if, if we want to be holy, if we want to um, go to heaven, that we have to cooperate with his grace. You know, we have to desire to be holy, to desire to be his instrument in the world and um, and and, and um, put in that cooperation in order for it to bear fruit. Yeah. But so I want to back up for just a moment, Father Tran. I want to talk about you and your journey to Mary. What 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 is your what is your 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 story? How did you enter the Catholic Church? Sure. Um, well, I was born uh, born to a Catholic family. Um, un unfortunately, my my family was, I, I guess you can say, a lukewarm Catholic family. Okay. We kind of just went went through the motions, you know, received the sacraments and and went to Mass, but, but we, we were never really devout. Mm -hmm. And so growing up, you know, there was never any talk of the priesthood or religious life. So I, I ended up becoming a lawyer because my, my dad was very, uh, you know, um, ambitious uh, in, in the worldly sense. And so he wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer. And so, um, so I became a, a lawyer uh, by default. And um, so during this time, I kind of drifted away from the church um, just like a lot of young people, you know, going off to college and focusing on career and things like that, I, I, I kind of stopped going to mass and stopped practicing my faith, and because you know I put the world and other things mm. ahead of God. Um, but God was so patient with me. He uh, 
he he allowed me to just um, you know try to seek happiness in the world. Um, but he he used the the uh, the girls that I dated to bring me back to himself. <laughs> um, <laughs> Now that's that sounds very interesting. Talk a little more about that because I'm curious. Yeah. So, um, so at one point, uh, my girlfriend uh, was ha- happened to be a very good Catholic, and she wanted me to go back to mass with her on Sundays. And so, just to please her, I, I said, "Okay, well." So I started going back to mass on Sundays okay. with her, and um, and then you know after a while, things didn't work out between us, so we parted ways. And then the next girl that that I met, that she also happened to be a very good Catholic. Wow! And uh, and she wanted me to go to uh, daily mass with her. And, well, Father, uh, Father Tran, who are you meeting all these great Catholic girls? I mean, some guys have a hard time meeting one good Catholic girl, but here you are, not actually called the marriage, but you're meeting all these great Catholic girls. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God has a way of, of working in our lives to accomplish His plan. I, yeah, I wasn't even seeking Catholic girls. It just, you know, he, he, just, he, he just brought them into my life. Yeah. That is so. so amazing. So you, um, so you, so you're born to a Catholic, you know, nominally Catholic family, like like a lot of people. But um, uh-huh. God is the God is leading you and drawing you. You're right. You're, you're responding to grace without even without even without even even knowing, right? He's just you're just God is putting great people in your life, and right. It's leading you in this direction, so okay, yeah. that's fine. But you're a lawyer. How do you how do you go from being becoming more faithful to becoming a priest? <laughs> right, right. So that this is sort of a, I guess you can say you know my vocation is, is really kind of a miracle in and of itself. Um, so yeah. So at one point I was um, you know I, I I was thinking about my career. You know I was working for the, the DA's office. And I was like, I, I'm not sure if I want to be a DA for the rest of my life. Okay. And I started exploring about other options, you know, maybe uh, going out, opening up my own practice or doing something. You know, I, I wanted to do something that, that I was passionate about. And like I mentioned, I kind of fell into law. I, it, wasn't never, it was never really my passion. So I started discerning other things, but nothing felt right. So at this time, I was kind of, uh, you know, was practicing my faith. So I, so I, I prayed to the Lord. I said, I said, God, help me. Um, you know, at, at this point in my life, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. I feel like I want to do something that I'm passionate about, but nothing, nothing feels right. You know, I can't think of what, what it is. Can you please help me and guide me and let me know what I'm supposed to do? And then shortly after that prayer, um, uh, my girlfriend mm-hmm. and uh, at the time, she asked me if I ever thought about becoming a permanent deacon. Oh, you know, okay. yeah. and so you know, there was a chance we could get married and have a family, and, <laughs> yeah. and so she asked if I she asked if I, I thought ever thought about becoming a permanent deacon. I said no, and then and then some other people, about three other people, asked me if I, if I ever thought about the priesthood. Wow. And then yeah, so this so I at at this point in my life, I'm 36 years old. I've 36. been a lawyer for 12 for okay. 12 years, and no one had ever asked me that before about the priesthood or the uh, diaconate. And then all of a sudden, after that prayer, four different people asked me about about uh, this voca- vocation, and I had no idea what it, what it would take to be a priest. So I started to uh, get online. I looked it up, and the more I <laughs> yes, and the more I read, the more I was drawn to the priesthood. You know, wow. I was just really drawn. Wow. And and then yeah, shortly after that, just um, just things just 
started to fall fall into place. Yeah, yeah. It was really amazing. And that's really fascinating. You know, when I was when I was you know after my wife divorced me and I was you know I was a convert and you know the marriage was she didn't think the marriage was going to work out because I was a Catholic now she was still an agnostic so you know she divorced me and so here I am. And I think, you know, I thought I was doing the right thing, trying to figure, okay, maybe God has called me to priesthood. And so I was going down that path. I thought maybe one day I might be a Dominican um, priest, um, Dominican uh-huh. brother, friar. And, um, but, you know, I, you know, I always heard that that people who, oh, I talked to a lot of priests, and that, that seemed to be a common thing, that people in your life tend to ask you, you know, you have you ever thought about becoming a priest? And I was and I was reflecting on my, on, on my call of discernment, and, that's not something anybody had ever asked me. Like, David, you ever thought about becoming a priest? No one ever asked me that. People, you know, still today ask me, you ever, you ever thought about becoming a deacon and things like that? But as far as coming to a priest, no one ever asked me that question. So that was part of my discernment process. Like, well, if nobody ever, if other people don't really see me like that, maybe that's another clue that I'm not, my, may not be called to holy order, holy order as a, as a, as a priest. Would you say that's kind of consistent as well to people who you talk to and, and encounter? other people see that quality in them yes i think so i think so yeah if um yeah there's some kind of quality there's this vibe you know mm-hmm. like you look like you may be priest material or uh you're something like that i yeah. think so because i was really growing in my faith and and um you know i think you know also you know maybe if you're filled with the holy spirit and you're you're a single man and you go to church daily yeah. and uh yeah. And people start to say, "Hey, you know, you're you're single, and you're you're very, you seem like you're very holy and devout. Right. Yeah. Have you ever thought about the priesthood?" So I guess it's in a way it's natural. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, yeah. There, yeah. Yeah. That's something. The only thing I ever really got was women, you know, ladies at the church saying, "Hey, you want to meet my daughter?" That's all I really got. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I look like husband. Maybe I was husband material, not priest material. There you so. go. There you go. <laughs> So what about your your call your journey to Mary? I mean, you grew up sort of a, you know not in a house, so I guess people aren't praying the rosary every day. How do you find Mary? Well, actually, that was dur- during my during my discernment, uh, during my you know conversion or uh, discernment, that I felt her really close to me. Um, oh, wow. I really felt really close to Mary, and really for the first time in my life, and um, I, I couldn't get enough of Mary, really. I was really attracted to Mary. Um, you know, I wanted to, to, to get her, uh, her images of Mary and read books about Mary. And, um, and uh, there was this retreat. You know, there's a, you, you've heard of Curcio? Yes. Right? It's a three-day three weekend retreat. And I was making this retreat. And during this retreat, I really felt her presence. I felt her really close to me. And, uh, and then th- 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 there was this... Um, Room. They were they were putting all these scriptural uh, quotes on the wall, and there was one quote that 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 really drew me in, and it, it was Mary's fiat. You know, oh. like let it be done to me according to Thy word. And I felt Mary saying to me that, you know, I want you, my son, to take on my fiat to say the same thing that I did to the Lord. Say to him, you know, let it be done to me according to Your will. And so. Um, so that's how I just grew in, in my love and devotion for our Blessed Mother, and she and and she led me, you know, to 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 the priesthood. She led me to her Son, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. Man, that is a beautiful story. I love that. And this book. Um, so we're talking with Father Tran here. Um, 
He's a priest out of out of California, the Diocese of Orange in California. And he's wrote this, this he's written this powerful book called The Imitation of Mary. The Imitation of Mary. And in the book, he talks about there's 12 keys in which we can there Father trying to explain it with the 12 keys. You 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 can say it better than I can. Sure, yeah. These are the 12 dispositions or responses of Mary that are pleasing to God. And I discovered this, you know, through reading, reading about Mary in Scripture and, uh, and what the saints say about her. And, and so, um, and these are the, not only the qualities of Mary, but I see that these are also the qualities of Jesus himself mm. and, and of the saints, you know. And so this is what holiness looks like. This is what full of grace looks like. And so if we want to be holy, if, if we want to be filled with grace, if, um, if we want to be pleasing to God, uh, then the, follow these qualities. So I, I first talk about humility. You know, that humility is, is so important. It's, a, it's the most important um, virtue if we want to grow in the other virtues. Mm-hmm. Because without humility, we're not going to grow in, in our spiritual life. Mm-hmm. We're not going to grow in holiness. And, and a lot of these qualities are very countercultural. You know, in our culture, you know, people usually don't think of humility as a virtue. They think of humility as something that's weak and, and, and undesirable. Yeah. And, uh, um, and, yeah, so humility, I, I, I talk about the importance of humility. I, talk, I use the, the uh, scripture. I use the, the saints and, and, and the life of Mary. And then I, then I talk about the other qualities as well, like confidence in God, you know, confidence in God. Mary had this unwavering confidence in, in, in her Lord. And, and, you know, Jesus speaks so much about trust, you know, how important it is to him for us to trust him and, and to have faith in him. And, uh, and, he, and he, could, he could do more in our life. You know, he, when he performed all these miracles in, in the Bible, you know, when he healed people, a lot of times he would say to them, you know, it was the, your faith that saved you. It was yeah. your faith that healed you. It was your faith that allowed me to do these things. And then, um, and then also conversely, you know, if you remember in his hometown, you know, they started questioning him. They, they started doubt him. And, uh, and so they, he, it said that, you know, he wasn't able to perform many miracles because of their lack of faith, right? right? And so likewise in our life too, you know, if, if we are filled with faith and confidence and trust, God can do incredible things in us and through us. But if we start to doubt and question, then he, he's, he's not going to be able to give us a, that many graces and, as, and, or be as active as he would like. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so these are you know, just a couple of examples of these keys or qualities that, that we can cultivate and, and, and foster and, and, uh, so as to grow uh, in grace. And what I really like about your book is that I think it is very well written. You have, you have a gift of words. You use you use words as a, as a form of art. But the book is easy to follow because these these twelve keys, these these twelve um, things, these these twelve areas that we can really dig deeper into. Um, each of them are a chapter, so you you can spend time um, however you want want to spend, either for, for twelve weeks or or 12 days or, or 12 hours if you're a fast reader, you can really dig deep into each one of these chapters and really, and what, I like what you say earlier, that um, what you found was that not only these these are the 12 areas of, of, that are essential to Mary's life, but also there's nothing that 
everything that we we understand about um, Mary, we can also see in Christ, right? So yes. Um. So all these these are twelve areas that we can only reflect deeper about our mother, but also our our Savior, and that's one thing. I really, really love about this book. It's just so easy to follow, and you can spend time in each one as much time as you want to, and kind of go back. And this book is uh, published by uh, Sophia Institute Press, so Sophia Press Institute, and you can uh, buy the book there. We recommend that, or you can buy it anywhere you like to buy books: Amazon or your local bookstore, or Catholic bookstore. You can ask them to order it if they don't have it on stock. But what inspired you to write the book, Father? Well, I wanted to share with people the things that I learn about grace, you know, and, and, and to help them to grow in holiness, right? Mm-hmm. We need more goodness and holiness and grace in our world and in our church. And so, and that's, so that's why I wrote the book, to help people to get to heaven, basically, <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 In order to get to heaven, you have to be holy. And in order to be holy, you have to, to have uh, graces. You have to know how to receive the graces and, and cooperate with those graces. You know, and I, I quoted St. Faustina, you know, Saint, Jesus speaking to St. Faustina, saying how sad and disappointed he is that many people do not receive all the graces that he wants to give us, mm-hmm. right? People just they miss out. They squander, they refuse, they fail to cooperate with his graces. He's so, he's so generous. He wants to make us holy, and, and he wants to give us heaven, but, we, but, but we're, we're not doing our part. We're, you know, we're, we're so of the world and so ap- apathetic or prideful or, or you know, un- uninterested uh, uh, that, um, that we miss out. So this is a way for, for, uh, that, I, that I hope to help to, to build up the church uh, to, to bring people more graces and, and happiness and fulfillment in their lives. Yeah. Have you been happy with the responses that you received thus far about your book? Have they surprised you? Yes, yes. You know, uh, this is my first book, and I didn't know what to expect. And um, and no, yeah, the, the the responses have been overwhelmingly positive. Yeah. Um, you know, I I think my, I have like 4.9 stars out of five on 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 Amazon and yeah. and um, and so on. And so yeah, the, the and and the yeah the, the feedback, the responses have been overwhelmingly positive. You know, people say it's easy to read, yet it's profound and packed with information, yeah. and it's something that 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 they can just refer to over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, so this this book is is a life changer. Yeah. It's not something you just read once and you know put back on the bookshelf and never touch again. No, yeah. if if you really um, if you really read this book, then you have to put it into practice. I mean, that's yeah. that's the whole point. Because you know it's not just for you know curiosity or entertainment. It, it's for it's 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 a, a self-help book, if you will, right? Yeah. It, it's a book for you to to really implement and change your life and and to grow in virtue. Yeah, yeah. And I would say I don't know. I, I mean, I like self-help, but I like to call your your book a grace help, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. This is not help. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, Father um, Charm, for coming on. I hope you. Come back soon. I want to talk to you some more about this book. There's just a lot more to dig in here. And um, we'd like to thank you, bless you for, for your for your ministry and for responding and also for all the work that you've done in putting this book together. Thanks so much. Thank you, David. Yes, I'd be happy to, to, uh, to be, back, be back on your show. And thank, thank you for all you do for our church and our world. Amen. Thank you, brother. 
So if you're just tuning in, this is the David L. Gray Show. We will be back right after the break with Joseph Chambra talking about the L.A. wreck. And um, again, that was Father Quan Tron. Make sure you go check out his book, The Imitation of Mary. We'll be right back. universe is filled with order from top to bottom and it's a beautiful order and not only is it beautiful it's order that we can actually comprehend and it's almost as if we have been made to be able to comprehend that order in the universe to be able to contemplate it so that we can see maybe that purpose behind it please visit father spitzer's website magiscenter.com to watch this beautiful and important video about purpose and god's creation that's m-a-g-i-s center.com your odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in the pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs are available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years, you know, because there's so much trash. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I actually was gone from the Catholic Church for 35 years. I want to get to heaven. I don't know if I will. I mean, I worry about it. But I not only want to get to heaven at the moment of my death, I want to find as much heaven as possible here on earth. I love the shows with the Catholic apologist. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day -day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popcheck. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take on how to deal with day-to-day -day reality. If your purpose in life is to find God, not just here, but after you die, then living out that purpose is gonna color absolutely everything you do. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. It's more than a landmark of Corpus Christi, Texas. The chapel's 75-foot blue dome is adorned with gold stars representing Our Lady of Guadalupe and the star of the new evangelization. Hi, this is Len Oswald, president of the Guadalupe Radio Network with another GRN Family Minute. Our Lady of Corpus Christi shines like a beacon to all who pass by. Sitting on the campus of a Roman Catholic retreat center whose purpose is to facilitate a living encounter with Jesus Christ in His Church. This beautiful center is the home of the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, SOLT, a society made up of priests, consecrated persons, and laity. The Holy Mass is being broadcast for you, our GRN family of listeners, from the SOLT Chapel Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Central Time. And it's just one more reason why the GRN is truly radio for your soul. Welcome back in to the David L. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network. I am David L. Gray. Glad you are still with us for the second half of the show. We'll be bringing in Joseph Chambra, um, who is an author, an activist, an evangelist. He operates Sons of St. Joseph Apostolate. 
and he's here now to give us an update on uh, L.A. Religious uh, Education Congress and to talk about his ministry and and talk about how uh, you know he ministered people people who are dealing with same sex attraction. Welcome to the David L. Gray Show, Joseph. Hey, thank you, David. Yeah, such a pleasure to talk to you. I know we talked. Um, yes. I think last year. I think I was on your podcast. And you so, were. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about about fatherhood and it was such, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, had a great conversation with you. But you you are um, back. Oh man, I think it was a few years ago. Someone on Facebook said you gotta follow Joseph. You gotta follow Joseph Chambra, and. Um, and I think that was my first encounter with you. So I got on your your Facebook, and you were just you were just lighting people up for just. I said, "Man, who is this guy?" So, <laughs> so Joseph, who are you? Thank you. Um, well, I, I guess, like you said, yeah, I'm an, an an author, a blogger. I do have a YouTube um, channel, so I guess I'm now a podcaster too. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't regularly podcast. But I mean, when I usually it's online. When I meet somebody interesting that you know I'd like to talk to, you know, we do a podcast and yeah. have a lot of fun with that. I don't write as much as I used to. I probably used to blog like once a week. Oh wow! Now maybe it's like you know maybe once every two weeks. Okay. You know, I think I think you just kind of run out of things to write. I mean, I've, I've written a lot. I mean, I wrote my first book, and then I wrote. A revised second edition, which was like uh, three times as as long. So I, I, I just, you know, I, I, I think I kind of have said what I need to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. And so I want, I want to, so I want to talk to you about your ministry, but first, um, I want sure. to start talking about um, the LA, the LA regs. I know over the years past, you've yeah. been. I mean, you used to stand outside there or go inside, and you were you're very active. Yeah. In, in that whole thing. Yeah. Um, so give, tell us what the L.A. rec is and talk sure. to us about what sure. happened last week with their online conference. Sure. Um, well, that I don't, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not too sure. But um, the L.A. rec is the Los Angeles Religious Education Congress. It's the largest gathering, I don't know, no, I hear that numbers are dropping, good, um, but it's historically the largest gathering of Catholics in the United States. I think they say between fifty and sixty thousand. Oh wow! Um, it's it's usually held in. It's called the Los Angeles, the L.A. Rec, but it's actually held at the Anaheim Convention Center, which is in the Diocese of Orange. But um, it was started by um, um, the L.A. Archdiocese. Under specifically under Cardinal Mahoney, and um, it's it's had a it had a, a reputation, probably among conservatives and Orthodox Catholics, as, as being pretty heterodox and progressive, and and it is. I had heard about it for a long time. Um, uh, a lot of uh, I think when I had heard about it, there was a lot of focus on a lot of liturgical experimentation. Um, you know, female ordination, stuff like that. Um, I wasn't really interested in it. I started hearing a lot about different conferences and speakers and um, sessions that they were having on LGBTQ um, topics. And then I started going quite a few years ago. And um, 
Yeah, I was I was really I was pretty shocked because um, I had heard. Um, I mean, I'm I've I've been familiar with LGBT affirmation ministries in the Catholic Church most of my life, you know, um, at least most of my adult life. So I kind of knew that the stuff that they promoted, but um, I mean, the L.A. Rec, this was usually on the parish level that I was more familiar, like in San Francisco okay, and in Los Angeles. Um, so I, I kind of thought it was more endemic to just the gay community. Hmm. Um, so I was surprised when I went to the L.A. Rec, which is, like I said, it's, it's, a, big, it's a big event. And Archbishop Gomez is there, Bishop Barron is there. Um, some other well-known Catholic speakers are there. So I was surprised to hear a lot of the LGBT ideology being espoused there as well. So I thought, well, it's not just in the parish level, maybe in a, in a largely gay parish, but it's also, it's also at the national level. So I was surprised specifically about a lot of the born gay, God made you gay, um, God's okay. You know, I mean, God doesn't make mistakes. Gay is okay. Mm-hmm. All that stuff being um, um, taught. Yeah. And, and people got to remember that um, the L.A. Rec mainly draws. I mean, it draws, you know, lay people. It draws religious, but it, it, it largely draws um, CCD teachers, DREs. Um, religious education, Catholic, um, parochial school teachers. A lot of times these people are required to go as well. So, um, you know, they go, I guess, assuming that what they're hearing, since Archbishop Gomez and Bishop Barron are there, that everything is um, according to the catechism of the Catholic Church and the magisterium and tradition of what the Catholic Church teaches. And that's a fair assumption. Um, they they should they should make that assumption, but it's not it's not it's really it's pretty bad. So um, the LGBT sessions are usually full. Um, uh, so they have ad- think... so they have actual sessions on the so-called LGBT ideology. They'll have full sessions on that. It's not so much on the ideology. Okay. It's very deceptive. This is the way gay activists in the church work. Um, I mean, the the sessions will be titled like "Your LGBT Student in a Catholic School" or "Helping You Know uh, LGBT Children and Young People" or something like that. So people that are earnest and honest and compassionate see that maybe they're a teacher and they say, "Well, you know, I've I've known or or you know." I've had um, knowledge that I have LGBT students or, or kids that identify as LGBT in my class, and I would like to go and learn and maybe find out something about how I can better minister to them. So they have, they have a good, they have a good um, you know, reason for going. Okay. And then at these, at these conferences and speakers and sessions, they hear about um, – you know, this is disturbing to me, is because I feel like a lot of these can be used um, 
by people that don't have a child's best interest at heart. Um, a, a lot of times they tell um, teachers or whoever's there, um, DRE, you know, teach, CCD teachers, whoever, they'll tell them, you know, identify a vulnerable student, child, you know, maybe doesn't have a lot of friends, is being picked on, bullied, whatever. Um, you know, gain their trust, be sympathetic, and those are all good things. But then it says, you know, confirm them in LGBT identity, you know, tell them that God made them this way, that it's fine, and and it's that's where it goes. And they even go further away from just maybe the gay or the lesbian um, identity into the transgenderism and confirming children, sometimes very young children, that they're that they're transgender. And this is all done at school, of course, beyond the auspices of parents, and it's it's really dangerous. And this is the kind of stuff that they're teaching. And that's so, amazing um, that, these, that 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 stuff is coming back to Catholic schools. I mean, I know more and more we're hearing recently in, in public schools, kids are as early as young as five are being encouraged to take hormone inhibitors, and and that parents should. Uh, affirm their children's mental identity. Um, yeah. So, but so, but this is the this is a conference for Catholic Catholic educators are, are at these conferences, being sold the yeah. same false bill of goods. Yeah. Well, at one of the at one of the presentations that I went to, the speaker said that children as young as in the second grade um, can know if they're LGBT. And, um, you know, the teachers and adults around them need to confirm that and affirm that. <laughs> and I just, I, I can't buy into that. And um, I, the, the bishop, bishop, archbishop, I mean, at least through me, Archbishop Gomez knows what's going on there. Bishop Barron knows what's going on there. And they've, they've, they've allowed it to continue. So... Yeah. I guess I guess they, there's two options. Either they agree with it or they don't care. So <laughs> either way, they're just apathetic to the whole to the whole thing. It, right? it, it is. It's pretty. So I mean, I mean, I would never recommend any Catholic go to the L.A. Rec unless they want to see what's really gone wrong in the Catholic Church. I mean, I've tried to go as an evangelist, activist, whatever, and. I, I've tried different modes of, of trying to have influence or some kind of uh, action there. Um, I mean, I've handed out pamphlets. I've done all kinds of things. It just doesn't seem to work. So, yeah. um, And this year and it I, was I, online, so you really didn't get a chance to <laughs> stand no. outside of and it, it was, or anything it was a, like that. It was a much more limited speaker list. I mean, okay. usually there's hundreds. There's hundreds. Okay. It okay. was a few maybe like the the greatest celebrity i mean james martin was still on um the list it was much smaller it was more the the headliners okay okay so yeah yeah so your your background um so you grew up in a in a catholic family i mean you were born into the faith right yeah but yeah. then, as 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 a youth, you 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 experienced some things yourself. I know on um uh, you experienced bullying and and things like that. And, and at some point in your early adulthood, you get caught up in uh, in in the in the in the gay subculture going out there. And I guess in San Francisco. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Raised more, um, you know, nothing against my family, raised probably more marginally culturally Catholic in the 1970s and 80s, you know? Um, So, I mean, I understood. I think at that time, I think my parents came from more of the Catholicism in like the 50s and maybe the 60s where, you know, it was like The Sound of Music, The Singing Nun, you know, um, what's the other, what's the other one? Um, going My Way, you know. It, I think they had more of an image of what maybe the Catholic Church was like, but I mean, in the 70s, it really changed. I mean, you had sisters in miniskirts, and the priests were, you know, playing guitars, and so it, it was different. I think my mom and dad, I guess, just like people going to the L.A. Rec., I think my mom and dad assumed that I was in a Catholic school. They were paying for it. Oh, okay. You know, um, I think they assumed I was, you know, being taught the faith. Okay. And I, I really wasn't at all. It was a lot of social justice theory, liberation theology, a lot of um, New Age stuff started coming in, yoga, that kind of stuff. And um, so... Uh, I mean, I went through 12 years of, of Catholic school. I think when I graduated, I was like, you know, just really didn't like anything about the Catholic Church. It was just really, I, I didn't like it at all. It just was kind of pathetic to me. So, um, And this is um, the David O'Gray Show, Voicing Truth and Reason, Guadalupe Red Network. And we're to- talking with Joseph Chambra, who's an author, activist, and evangelist. Um, he operates the Son of Joseph, Sons of Saint Joseph Apostolate. We were talking earlier, earlier about um, the LA Religious Education Congress and how there's aspects of it that has have been heterodox for many years, and then pushing the LGBT, so-called LGBT ideology out, exporting it to Catholic schools. Um, and now I'm talking to Joseph sort of about about his background and and what got him into his ministry and what motivated. What motivated him? Interesting thing about you, Joseph, is that um, that that uh, a lot of people who know you know, obviously, because it's a, a key point in your ministry. But some people who are made just now hearing of you on a on, on you know the thirty eight stations Guadalupe Network, and like, who is this Joseph Chambra guy? One interesting thing about you is that you know prior to your your reversion to the faith, is that you got into um, Gay pornography. Yeah, I did. I sure did. Yeah. Yeah. In my early 20s. Yeah. So I, was, I was still fairly young. It was yeah. a different world then. Um, I mean, you didn't have the internet. And um, it was something you could do um, I mean, without your family knowing. I mean, uh, okay. especially gay pornography, you would have had to go into like a dirty bookstore to buy it so i you know i did it and it wasn't wasn't a big deal to me so but how did god bring you out of how do you get to the point that you are now what what what, what was the trigger that led to your reversion well um i i had a very my conversion i like to tell people wasn't like saint augustine which took him like many many years to reach his conversion to me it was like saint paul i was just going along my business and then god really struck me hard Mm -hmm. and um 
because I, I had no interest in religion, Catholicism, Jesus Christ, none of it at all. I hadn't thought about it in many, many years. And I, um, I had been living in San Francisco and in the gay community for over, little over 10 years. And um, it, it had become increasingly less satisfying to me. Mm. And I was almost 30. And um, I, I had no intention of leaving or changing my life or doing something different. I just, um, I don't know, I kind of saw the road straight out in front of me. And I just was going to keep going on it. And it, it, it had gotten really dark and really twisted and and yeah. uh, and and uh, god just i don't know how to describe it it sounds kind of trite but god just took took pity on me and <laughs> gave me a second chance and um i took it so that was it and yeah. um yeah sort of didn't look god. back you know so so i took it it took a detour i thought you know i thought i knew where i was going but that was it. You never know. You never know. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's never too. I always tell people it's never too late for anybody. Never right. give up hope on anybody. Nobody's a lost cause. Because I think most people um, looking at me back then, you know, twenty, a little over twenty years ago, would have said, mm, you know, his, you know, it's, it's not going to end well for him, and it probably right. wouldn't. But, you know, yeah. you can't give up on anybody. One thing I find amazing about your, about your ministry, I, I find this oftentimes with the further a person is from God, the, the further away God has to draw them back to himself. It seems yeah. like those people are, are more drawn to go back to where they were to minister there, right? Because we see that, we see that yeah. with Paul. I mean, how far was, how far was Paul? Yeah. Sometimes I reflect yeah. on it by myself you know, in the work I do with trying to speak to Freemasons because how far away I was in that and how yeah. far I was from that. Now I feel like there's some sort of responsibility I have to minister to those souls. Do you, is that with you? You feel a sense to go back and minister to where you were? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, um, I think what kind of pushed me in that direction because when I left the gay community, I was, I was like, I, I don't have any, ever have any intention of going back in any shape or form, even even to outreach. But then I, I saw, um, I kind of got involved with, you know, Catholic social, um, uh, social media online. And I saw some things that people would write about people they knew that identified as gay or LGBT and um, I just thought well you know those people I know that when I was living that life nobody really reached out to me and right. offered an option mm. so you know I thought you know these they deserve to hear the truth and I kept hearing from a lot of people that would approach the Catholic Church on this issue and I mean, at best, we're receiving a lot of confusing um, messages. So, you know, I thought, let, let me, if I can go out there, at least I can offer something more clear and concise and, and truthful. And I tried. I've tried. So um, I, I didn't have any success doing that. 
within like the structure of the church, like in a parish or in a okay. diocese. So what like a lot of people do, you just hit the streets and you do street ministry. <laughs> then you just talk directly with people and and with and with technology is so awesome. You you don't have you don't like have to send somebody to a parish or something. You can just send them to a website, you know, mm-hmm. and they can read it and that's what's good and, and so I've gotten to know a lot of people a lot of families and and yeah. um it's 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 good so and what what keeps you what keeps you going Joseph I think you know a lot of people in, in ministry and I know I experienced this with talking to as many Freemasons as I do I think I may talk to a hundred of them and maybe two of them would be like you know what David you're wow. you're, you're right right <laughs> And so that's pretty it, it, good too. I know. So, and I'm probably, and I'm, I'm probably, you know, just exaggerating, but you know, it's, it's they're far and few in, in between. Right. And so, but what, but what's, what I keeps wish you, I had that success rate. Right? <laughs> well, yeah, it's like, it's not like Jonah and Nineveh, right. I'm not going to walk through a Masonic hall and convert the whole, convert the whole temple. Right. <laughs> but, but well, what keeps you going in this? Well, just like I, well, I hadn't go last year because everything was COVID, was COVID canceled. But normally I go to San Francisco to all the big um, pride and the gay events. Like gay pride is like over a million people. It's it's more than the San Francisco population is like seven hundred fifty thousand. So it's more than people that live there. So I go and. That's why when you said two out of a hundred, that's good. I mean, yeah. I might meet one or two people out of the millions that are there that are really interested. Yeah. All right, so we were talking with Joseph Chambra. Joseph, sorry we had to break there, but I'm sure cool. to have you back. But so we'll be back same time, same place. I look forward to conversing with you again. In between time, you can visit me at davidelgray.info. But until then, till next time, remember Jesus loves you and is there for you, and live your life like salvation matters. And may the abundance of our Lord's blessings and graces and favors fall upon you. I heard that the GRN is raffling off a 2021 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250. Yeah, 